What the fuck is going on, everyone? Welcome into the Long Game Dynasty Podcast, a weekly roundtable discussion about Dynasty fantasy football. I'm your host, Tarek Angry T. Benshuya. With me this week, Mitch, I've, I hear the crystal raindrops fall and the beauty of it all. And I want to spend some time with you. Yes, just the two of us. Ah, uh, beautiful. I was hoping you'd you'd reference that. I we've done this what this is like our fourth time, and I think whether by accident or on purpose, we've made it very clear that it's just the two of us. <laughs> yeah, I actually wrote those lyrics. <laughs> How you doing, bro? I'm good, man. Uh, happy to be here. Happy to hold it down for the boys at TLG. Uh, we've, we've been kind of on and off this year due to crazy schedules, but you know what? Damn it. We're going to, we're going to record a podcast today. God damn it. If we're not going to record a dynasty fantasy football podcast, but yeah, we haven't been on in two weeks. A lot has happened in the NFL and in our lives. Uh, but yeah, like what's been going on with you? Uh, you know, busy as all ever. I actually am going up to Boston. I think that's an old joke, but we won't go into that. I'll be going up to Boston for the Yale-Harvard game this year. It's kind of a very random thing wow. that I'm doing. Ivy League football, huh? Yeah. I, everything I've looked up, it's like you, you just have to be there to experience it. So I can't wait to tell you all a story in a couple of weeks uh, that you totally would just have to be there for. <laughs> Dude, Yale Harvard sounds like they don't actually play football. They just all wear like rugby polos and like boat shoes and like chase each other around a field. That's oh, like yeah. what a, a Yale Harvard football game sounds like to me. But I got my lobster belt, man. I'm ready. Love it. I I'm glad you're going up to Boston. Hopefully you can see Trey while you are up there. But um yeah i mean over on our side you know doing good here in chicago the fall is long for some reason it's been like 70 degrees out here so holding on to it um but yeah let's let's get into some fantasy football content enough of the small talk you don't want to talk about why it might be that it's so warm yeah man definitely not the slow burning apocalypse of <laughs> our earth <laughs> All right, let's talk about football. <laughs> Speaking of slow burning apocalypse, the NFL. I was going to do a coin toss. You know, we do plan that more than just the two of us are going to be here. So I do have one prepared. So let's just go for it, man. Uh, the coin toss is is pretty simple. Who would you rather have in Dynasty? Which one of these wide receivers, Tyler Boyd or Juju Smith-Schuster? Yeah, I don't think this is all that close i mean i think you can expect both of them to return similar production but because juju smith schuster is currently connected to patrick mahomes um who just walks out of bed or out of his bedroom and throws like 50 passes a game and uh he's about two years younger than tyler boyd i think i'm just gonna have to go with juju smith schuster i think juju is far more of a dynasty sell than tyler boyd but that's because i would just expect him coming off of three pretty good games in a row to go for a lot more value than tyler boyd but if we're thinking like who would i rather have on my dynasty roster it's juju you know it's it's interesting that you say that because i'm on team boyd and I do think it's a little close, but, you know, I, I certainly don't think that there's a, a huge separation between the two here. Now, I, too, for the same reason as you, think that Boyd has the benefit of playing with a guy that rolls out of bed and just hucks the ball like a madman, and that's Joe Burrow. But Boyd has also had two wide receiver one performances this year, and that's one with Chase Healthy and one without Chase Healthy. And Boyd, his... His uh, one without Chase, uh, I think he was number two overall that week. Yeah, that was week seven with 29.5 points. So six out of nine games this year, he's been a wide receiver three or better. And he's still under contract for next year where Juju isn't. So I think right. if I'm contending, man, I'm I'm thinking that Boyd is kind of a sneaky, sneaky buy. Interesting. Okay. 
I, I mean, I think the answer here is probably go sell Juju Smith-Schuster for Tyler Boyd and like two thirds or something because I think you could get that done. Um, yeah. Whereas yeah, I, like I think like they'll both, you know, probably produce similar numbers over the course of the year. Um, so, you know, I, I don't hate that. I would I would rather have Juju on my team just for the value, but um, well, I think Boyd is a good player. Like, I think Boyd is probably a better NFL player than Juju Smith-Schuster. Yeah, that and, you know, we don't know how long Chase is going to be out as well. Yeah. Like, and so that kind of guarantees me some some real high caliber targets for Boyd upcoming in the next like three or four weeks, which might be really valuable for making the playoffs at all in your fantasy league. True. Yeah. I would feel pretty confident uh, putting Tyler Boyd on my flex over the next uh, few weeks as we make that playoff push in our dynasty leagues. All right. So before we kick off the first half uh, in which we're going to be talking about kind of the state of the dynasty running back landscape, we have been out for two weeks. A lot has happened. The NFL trade deadline came and passed. So we do have a handful of headlines that we wanted to quickly run through uh, before we got into the main content of the episode. So first headline was TJ Hawkinson uh, involved in one of those rare interdivision trades in which the Lions sent him to the Vikings in exchange for a second round pick. And there was some other like lesser draft compensation in there. But Mitch, at the end of the day, Hawk goes to the Vikings. What does this do to his value? I mean, the Vikings are a better offense and he got nine targets off the bat there in Minnesota. So what do you think about Hawk? Yeah, nine targets, nine catches to 70 yards. And the Vikings gave up a, a haul. You know, and those interdivision trades are are weird, as you said, but the Vikings are serious about this acquisition. So that's got to be good for Dynasty, especially this is a 25 year old tight end. This is breakout time. And unlike the Lions, like I think the Vikings are going to give him a chance to thrive in that role. So uh, he had that explosion game. Hawkinson had the 12 targets, 179 yards and two touchdowns. You know, I'm I'm having a hard time now writing him off as mid. I I think that he's worth trading for, mm-hmm. but at the same time, I don't know like how much I'm willing to throw down for for Hawkinson right now. It's 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 definitely there's a window right now, I, and I and I think that if you can get it done for like DeAndre Hopkins or, or Pollard or something like that, and maybe a pick, then sure. But I, I'm not looking to to throw like a first down if that's where where we're at here yeah it looks like his value is like slightly less than a 2023 first i mean i think if you can sell tj hawkinson for a 23 first you go ahead and do that um yeah i mean the joke over the last like six months or so has been that tj hawkinson is mid um shout out to cam's not sober on twitter a hilarious follow hawk mid um, but, you know, I, I do think he's a good player. Essentially, the story of TJ Hawkinson was early in the season. He kind of dipped down to around the tight end eight range. And then he had that fucking explosion where he was the tight end one on the week, jumped up to around tight end four. And now he's traded to the Vikings. And that really hasn't changed. He's kind of his his value has remained constant. So I think the the market is fine with it. I'm fine with it. Sounds like you're fine with it, too. Um, I think Hawk is probably more of a sell for me than a buy, but I do think he's better than mid. I will concede that. Yeah. All right. Well, let's move on, Tarek. And, you know, I know some people drink the Kool-Aid when they buy into a player, but when it comes to Greg Dulcich, I know you're drinking that sweet milk. Just chugging it. I mean, he absolutely, there's sweet milk everywhere. He burst onto the scene, three starts, three top 12 finishes. (laughs) Should we be just, buying this guy? He just burst onto the scene, spilling milk everywhere. It's everywhere. Everybody, it's... everybody was upset about it. But yeah, I mean, I fully buy Greg Dulcich. Like, I'm I'm buying in uh, three games into his career, and he's already at like an 18% target share. And that's in an offense in Denver that's not bereft of like quality weapons, right? Jerry Judy's a good player. Cortland Sutton, I think, is a really good player. KJ Hamler, probably a little bit underrated as a weapon, you know, and then Albert O, he 
just Greg Dulcich completely ate his lunch, drank his milk. You know, I drink your milkshake, if you will. The Albert O's are all over the ground. Exactly. Like, I mean, you can't have Albert O's without some sweet milk, right? So do I buy Greg Dulcich at tight end eight? I mean... I think it's fine. I'm probably not like scrambling to go get some sweet milk, but I, w- I will say I was offered a 2024 second for Greg Dulcich on a team in which I am rebuilding. So I like draft capital and I actually didn't do it. I, I, I would probably do it for a 2023 second, though, especially if I'm set at tight end. But what do you think about that price? I think it's right. You know, it just comes down to team build here. And so this is kind of goes with the TJ Hawkinson conversation. You know, it's great to have a top three guy, but then the rest are just in that in that ra- anywhere from like tight end six, like after you get past uh, Goddard, I think, you know, I'd, I'd put him at five. Once you get past uh, him at tight end six with TJ Hawkinson, uh, Sweet Milk, um, maybe Waller at this point. Like, I, it's it's tough to figure out the price that you're willing to throw down just because I feel like you can find that similar production. But, you know, we're talking about a rookie, a rookie yeah. tight end that's showing up, old. man. And yeah. I have a very firm don't draft tight end, rookie tight ends strategy when it comes to uh, Dynasty. And whenever I see a player that has broken out of the position, I don't care, like... Whatever I think this is that opportunity. I would be the one sending that twenty twenty four too because I agree with you, man. He looks he looks really good and I he looks ahead of where a tight end should be. I'd oh, say for sure, yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, he came into the league as a receiving tight end, and you know he's 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 doing it through only three games. So I, I think it's it's real. All right, um, another trade that happened. Uh, you know, on the on the deadline day was Chase Claypool. The Bears paid up a second for Claypool. So same, you know, relative compensation as Hawkinson. So I'm going to ask you the same question. Is this good, bad or same for Chase Claypool's future outlook moving from Kenny Pickett to Justin Fields? Yeah, I, I don't really know on this one, if I'm being completely honest, because on one hand, the Steelers are passing it like 500 times a game but weren't efficient with Kenny Pickett, and he honestly looked like a rookie. And then on the other hand, you have Justin Fields emerging, but he hasn't had a single game without or with more than 17 completions. So, you know, you're looking at maybe some better targets for Claypool, and maybe the the, the Fields to Claypool connection is good because he's a big wide receiver, but we're going to have to wait and see. And... You know, he was getting five targets, five receptions usually uh, on the Steelers. And I don't know if he's going to get that many. I mean, I guess he did the first game, six targets. But uh, I don't know if that's going to continue throughout the year. So I, I I would trade a couple thirds for Claypool, I think. But I'd let him go for a two. I don't think I'd spend a two on him, though. Yeah. I think that's about right. I think essentially my take is if you can get Claypool for like what you wanted to sell him for when he was on the Steelers, but like for whatever reason couldn't, like if that if you were like trying to offer Claypool up for a second and you couldn't get it done, but now people are like wanting to pay you a second for Claypool, then do it. Like I don't think this is necessarily good, bad for I think Claypool is just like a fine NFL wide receiver. He's mm-hmm. never going to be a fantasy superstar. Um, that's just not in the cards for him. In you my know, opinion. maybe you go seek out the uh, the Justin Fields manager and see if he wants to hitch his wagon to Fields yeah. if he's feeling pretty good after that win. Maybe that's how you can get your second round pick in exchange for him. But yeah, I'm pretty lukewarm right now on him. I like that. All right. Well, let's keep this train going. Uh, you know, before before we talk about Terry McLaurin, man, uh, I, I called Taylor Heineke Hank because uh, we've been calling him Hanky Panky and this, yeah. this nickname's kind of devolved here. But now every time I see this connection uh, with Terry McLaurin and Hanky Panky, I picture Hank Hill driving the speed limit in a Ferrari. 
So <laughs> it, you're all welcome for that one. But now that we have that imagery in our heads here, uh, Taylor Heineke's back, man. Bobby. <laughs> and, and you know what that means for Scary Terry? He's he's back too. So are you excited or should we be running and not hiding? Man, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame can't be fooled again. You know, like <laughs> Terry McLaurin, I love Scary Terry. I think he is so fucking tantalizingly good. He just turned 27. Like he's not old. Like he is old for his draft class, but he's not an old wide receiver. He's 27 and he's inexpensive. He's wide receiver 27. So yeah, fool me four times with Terry McLaurin. I'm buying. That's I I don't know, dude. It's gonna sound funny because I just bought him in a in a league, but I'm not super excited about buying more because Scary Terry is doing Scary Terry things, which is finishing as a wide receiver too. And his, yeah. he's, you know, that's. But you I, only I think, have to pay high end wide receiver three prices for him, right? So you I know. mean, I I feel like though his his going rate is what a couple. 2023 seconds a 2024 one a 2020 yeah, it's, it's I, I think it's probably two seconds i think that's terrible i think we i actually just saw him go for two seconds in a league uh in the breakout league so i think that's that's fair like it makes sense yeah i would pay two seconds for terry mclaurin i don't know i mean look if you're looking for wide receiver to production why don't you just go get tyler boyd like we talked about earlier for cheaper you know well like, god I, damn it that's a great <laughs> point mitch <laughs> All right. I just I don't see Touché. I don't see Scary Terry putting up those like top five wide receiver performances this year. He's gonna do some crazy cool shit because he's good, but this offense isn't good. I I just I don't buy it. Yeah, it, I mean it kind of remains to be seen if we're gonna be doing like the Allen Robinson moonwalk with Terry McLaurin every year until he's washed. You know, it's like <laughs> just wait for him to get a real quarterback, right? Um, so I, I, I feel that I think like you'll get wide receiver two production. Yes. But the thing with Terry McLaurin that distinguishes him from Tyler Boyd is that like, if he does get a quarterback like Joe Burrow, then Terry McLaurin has top five upside. So that's like yep. the distinguishing factor for me, but I think it's a great point. Like go pay for Tyler Boyd. Uh, if, if you're looking for wide receiver two production, I like that. All right, Mitch final headline before we get into the first half jamar chase uh could be out for an extended period of time consensus you know top two wide receiver and and the you know distance between number two and number three is vast so does this open a buy window for the Bengals alpha wide receiver i don't think it should but i think it does i think that if a contender that is really looking to make a, a championship run just happens to have chase on their team. It behooves me that they would be searching to trade him because he's just so goddamn good. And we're talking about a very young talent and dynasty, but you know what, if he's doing it, if they're doing it, then I feel like you have to be in their ear because there, there is a window. Uh, if you are not doing well, say you've got like, an early 2023 first round pick upcoming get rid of it if you can get jamar chase i i would rather have jamar chase than anybody in the uh, first round next year it's jamar fucking chase and you know his his chase his chase his hip you know it's a somewhat concerning injury i guess but uh for this year after that no so if you can move like godwin or garrett wilson and a first do it. Yeah, I I agree with that. I mean, we just acquired Jamar Chase in one of the leagues that we co-manage. Um, we sent out Allen Robinson, AJ Dillon, a likely early 2023 first, and Eno Benjamin to get Jamar Chase and a 2023 second back. So, you know, I mean, with that early 2023 first and a piece like AJ Dillon, who we're going to talk about later in the episode. I think that's a reasonable price to pay given the injury, but smash. Like if you can yeah. get Jamar Chase for that package, go do it. Um, if you're if you're selling, I, I thought about this one too. I, would you be interested in selling Jamar Chase for say Olave and a 2023 early first? 
No, I probably would hold. I mean, I think that's a fair asking price. Like if if somebody sent me that, if I were the chase manager, somebody sent me 23 first and Chris Olave, I would like sweat and be like, damn, that's a that's a good price. Okay. But uh, I think I would hold like I love Chris Olave. I think he's a top 10 dynasty receiver, but uh, Jamar Chase is another level of animal. Like That's one I would, I think, leave in my inbox for like three days and eventually decline it after yeah. lots of pacing. <laughs> well said, well said. All right, let's kick off this first half. So today on TLG, we're going to just kind of do a state of the union address for two important dynasty positions, the running back position and the quarterback position, because I was kind of looking over things the last two weeks since we last recorded, and a lot has changed, man, especially with the running backs and the quarterbacks. So let's start in the first half with the running backs. First thing I want to talk about are two backs, Kenneth Walker and Travis Etienne. These are essentially the young newcomers to the top five dynasty running back conversation. And they, I feel like they remind me of one another, albeit in very different ways. Like <laughs> they both had their concerns coming into the league. ETN with like the injury, obviously, and James Robinson. And then Kenneth Walker coming into Rashad Penny coming off that hot streak at the end of 2021. And like a lack of pass catching for Kenneth Walker. And you know what's really interesting before I throw it to you is like I felt like Travis ETN was the analytics darling that a lot of the film community had a lot of questions about. Kenneth Walker, kind of a film darling, but a lot of the analytics community had questions about. You, kind of an interesting case because you had <laughs> film-based questions about both of these guys. So let me throw it to you, Mitch. Like, What do you think about these two guys entering that top five dynasty running back conversation some people are naming either one of them the rb1 in dynasty no certainly not that not yet now we did this on this podcast we kind of wrote etn off early this season and you and i also traded yeah. him the day before and literally like the night before he broke out this it was year. The, we traded him the night before james robinson got traded mm-hmm we traded him for Dalvin Cook. We felt pretty good about it. Then James Robinson gets traded. Then Etienne just fucking explodes. So yeah, we we do not feel great about that. Yeah, but I Etienne, right? I, I had some concerns with his tape. Then I loved the way that his value just kind of tanked and we were able to get in, get our shares then. And yeah. now, now he's there. He's really arrived. And it, like I love that you compared him to... Uh, like they're very similar running backs in in the sense that like, like, but they're very 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 different styles of running back. So Etienne's your your pass catching machine, and Kenneth is your just bruiser, right? So uh, either way, I think that they belong in this discussion. Uh, the Jaguars being uh, a team that's going to pass the ball a lot and be down a lot because they're just kind of an incomplete team. But they've also, Etienne's also shown that he can just run the hell out of the ball too. Like, yeah, he's he's pretty much do it all. So, um, I, I'm more excited about Kenneth Walker, and it's funny because I, yeah, I've completely walked back everything I've said about him, but he has looked amazing on film. His NFL film is amazing, and I more than passing the eye test, we know that Pete is going to feed him. And yeah. if you're looking to make a run this year, I, I would, of course, be looking to pay that price. But if you're a rebuilder, this is not somebody that you're going to be too excited about getting rid of either. He just turned 22 like two weeks ago, and mini chub or not, lack of pass catching ability or not, like he's good enough to take over a game in real life, which means he's good enough to win you some games in fantasy as well. Yeah. And Seattle, uh, we're going to talk about Geno Smith later, but Seattle is like a professional operation, man. Like they are obviously keeping the uh, ship afloat without Russell Wilson or the kitchen, if you will. I mean, last time we recorded, this was two weeks ago, and we talked about Kenneth Walker as a potential sell in the midst of his early breakout. 
you know, that was two weeks ago. A lot has happened in the last two weeks. He's continued to explode. And Trey was kind of like, I don't know, guys. I kind of want to hold it. And so mm-hmm. credit to Trey there. But we did say like two 2023 firsts would be the price, right? Yeah. Me and you kind of agreed that, okay, if you're a rebuilder and you have Kenneth Walker, you would you would probably sell for two 2023 firsts. Does that hold two weeks later? Well, a trade I did make right after the recording was I traded Kenneth Walker away for Trey Lance and a 2023 first. Yeah. You know, it, okay. <laughs> I think I think that's completely that's a great trade. I like yeah, that. Yeah, and like I I don't feel super great right now, and that's just how it's going to be. Like yeah. I I'm not going to feel great until like Trey Lance, but this isn't about Trey Lance. So you know, when you trade away a player that just starts lighting it up, it's you're going to have that remorse whether you like it or not. But it still might be the right move because we're still talking about allocating our resources into a running back as opposed to spreading it to a, a quarterback and potentially a, his replacement, another running back next year in the 2023 first round. So, you know, like there are, of course, reasons to trade away this this guy. But like, yeah, th- you're going to have to be talking big boy stuff. Yeah, I mean, okay, so on keep trade cut right now for visibility, Kenneth Walker is the running back one, Travis Etienne is the running back two. So, I mean, let's get down to it then. Jonathan Taylor or Kenneth Walker? Who would you rather have, vacuum, contender or rebuilder? I'd rather... uh, uh, If he wasn't... This is easy for me. It's easily Jonathan Taylor for me. I was going to say Jonathan Taylor if his ankle wasn't pulling this shit because you asked if I was a contender, right? If I'm a or contender, I, I said sure. vacuum. Like okay, but if I'm a contender, I you have to think about Kenneth Walker over JT yeah. right now. You, you have to at least about think it. about it. But in in a vacuum, yeah, I'm there. I'm I'm JT one. Uh, I think McCaffrey belongs in this conversation too, though. So does Saquon Barkley, man. Right? I mean, yeah. Like yeah. I I think McCaffrey the way that he just had the 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 triple crown thing throwing a pass catching a pass rushing a touchdown like insane the, the, the dude is just ridiculous well, and so Mitch let me let me use that as an opportunity to transition into like what do we do with the old guard of the dynasty running back ones right so we mentioned Jonathan Taylor we mentioned CMC, who just looks poised to be a fucking force in that Kyle Shanahan offense. I mean, Mixon, Joe Mixon. Yeah. He's never really been like a RB1 overall consideration guy, but he did just have like a 50-point splash, right? Dalvin Cook, he's been RB1 overall before. He's been producing as of late, but began the year with kind of a little bit disappointing production. So this old guard of dynasty RB ones that Kenneth Walker, Travis Etienne, even Brees Hall to a certain extent, they're kind of infringing upon. Are there guys in that group that you're targeting? Are you trying to get off of some of them? Like, what do we think of these other guys? I'm glad you asked about the old guys because the old guys have been holding it down this year in fantasy. Like a lot of teams, a lot of dynasty teams that didn't look like contenders going into the year or that had a bunch of crusty old bastards are doing work this year and, and all over the place. So mixing that 50-yard or 50-point splash, man, that that was insane. But if we're going to talk about value, uh, I, it, I, I'm i not looking to sell him if I'm a contender. The one share that I have of Mixon, I am contending. So yeah. I have no intentions of moving in there. But if I wasn't contending, uh, I think at least a 2023-1 is where we'd start the discussion. But I don't think that's enough. But I don't think it's quite there uh, with Kenneth Walker's uh, two first round price either. So no, if, no. So you know it, it's somewhere in between. And so if if I can land him uh, for for that, then sure. But uh, Dalvin Cook would probably be the more affordable target because well, a he's not coming off of a massive game, but. Uh, he's still producing, as you said, and he is the undisputed number one running back there. Like Madison will be forever holding a clipboard in one hand and Dalvin Cook's beer in the other. Like <laughs> the the Vikings are seven and one, right? And yeah. so they're yeah. going to be fighting till the bitter end for playoff position. And uh, yeah, just buy Dalvin Cook. Like spend a twenty twenty three one on Dalvin Cook. Okay, 
Yeah, I I would be reticent to spend a 2023 first that I thought had any chance of being like a middle round 2023 first. Um, just because, man, I, I want a shot at, at some of those players in the 2023 class. But if it's like very clearly going to be a late 2023 first, like if it's your first and you're a clear contender, completely fine with it. I, I do think Dalvin Gook is a is a good target. I think you could probably even do like you pay a 23 first, you get Dalvin Cook and something back. Yeah. Um, you know, it kind of just depends on the teams that are exchanging there. Uh, Christian McCaffrey kind of seems borderline untouchable to me on the trade market right now. Like, I think he is the most likely of any running back on the field, like in in the field, in the dynasty field, week over week, he's the most likely to have a 50-point game, right? So if you're a contender, I think I would need a, a stupid price to get off of Christian McCaffrey. I would need like three 2023 firsts, right? And then I would like reallocate those assets to maintain my contending status. But mm-hmm. I just think CMC is a classic hold right now. There's a, a situation where Trey and I, our managed team, our co-managed team in TLG3, we have Christian McCaffrey, and we're not doing so hot. And so, you know, I, I thought about, well, what could we get in return? And like you said, I, I don't think it's going to be enough to make us go, yeah, we should we should get rid of him. Like, it, somebody's going to have to come in with a big gift box and several of them, you know, yeah, lots because of picks. the thing is, like, you're still going to be able to get a lot for him in the offseason. Right. There's no incentive to move him right now, especially the way he's playing there. It, you can only imagine he's going to get more involved in the playbook. Like, and, and at the same time, I mean, you know, if you are contending, it, it's worth a, a look, man. Like, uh, people did fade McCaffrey because of injury concerns, they might be thinking he's going to be exploding any second now. Like yeah. people were still burned in the past by him. Uh, they shouldn't be, but I I think I think you at least have to to see what's going on. Fair enough. Okay, next kind of group of players I want to talk about as we kind of assess the dynasty running back landscape. I just have a question: like, who is the next Miles Sanders? slash Josh Jacobs like who is a running back that enjoyed RB1 status for a time because of their youth and their draft capital etc then their value declined precipitously for whatever reason but you feel like they could bounce back to return elite production like who I mean I guess the quick way to say this is like who's the post hype sleeper at running back right in dynasty but it's like, who is your Miles Sanders, Josh Jacobs that you're looking to buy right now? Well, J.K. Dillon is where I've placed all my real life money. Uh, J.K. Dobbins. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I I have lots of shares of him. I I still believe I, I think he's a beat. Uh, I think he's a beast. I I just I literally can't wait any longer. My team needs you. Hurry up, dude. Let's go. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, I I do think that once he takes over that role there uh, there's not going to be another guy taking it from him like Kenyon Drake no uh Gus Edwards he's he's fine Justice Hill is not it like when he's ready he will be the guy there and I'm fully confident that he could resume that running back one status but as for some other guys here like Clyde Edwards Hilaire ain't it I will die on that hill um AJ Dillon, he's a target of mine right now if you can buy low. And I think some people are uh, not super excited about the way he's been playing for them. So uh, I don't know. You could probably pry him from, uh, for, a, for a second, I'd say. Yeah, it might be hard because Aaron Jones is like dealing with an ankle sprain right now. So like the people who have AJ Dillon probably want to see what's going on. But I think like, yeah, AJ Dillon is like a good target. Antonio Gibson, man, that's that's yeah. the guy I'm super interested in right now as like a RB three in the dynasty ranks. That could be this post hype sleeper that we've seen explosive play out of in his first few years in the league. And over the last few weeks since Brian Robinson came back, 
Dude, Antonio Gibson is just fucking better. He is just so much better than Brian Robinson. So much more explosive. I think he's like showing out on special teams right now. And I think it's like a reasonably, not safe, but it's a reasonable bet that we're going to see Antonio Gibson kind of take the reins back before the end of the season. And I have a lot of Antonio Gibson because he was just so insanely cheap through the first few weeks of the year. Um, but that's the guy I'm making the bet on right now. <laughs> so you're going full coaching narrative here where he's just in the doghouse, but he's learning lessons and he's going to come out of it just better. Yeah, I mean, and- he's like making the most of his opportunities, right? Like you look, he, he 10 rushes for 59 yards. And then like the next week he has eight receptions for like 80 yards, right? It's like every time he touches the ball, he's making the most with it. And I think every time Brian Robinson touches the ball, it's three yards in a cloud of dust. So how long does that go on before Riverboat Ron is like, God damn it. All right, we got to we got to give this guy the ball. Ron strikes me as a very patient man with a very (laughs) large doghouse. But I do I do agree with you, man. Like, I I think that Gibson is the better guy, but. Man, whenever the camera zooms in on him on the sidelines, he just looks so pissed about his lack of role. Like, I, yeah, he's hungry. He's got that dog in him, man. He's got because he's that in the doghouse. Dog in him <laughs> in the doghouse. I love <laughs> Rod Rivera. Seems like a dude with a massive doghouse, like <laughs> one of those dog mansions in his front yard. <laughs> just so patient, just sitting there being like, "I'll, I'll fucking die on this hill." You're going to run back some kicks, bro. Exactly. I want to get into halftime really quickly here, but I will just say really quickly that Ezekiel Elliott is running back 37 on keep trade cut. I have been out on Ezekiel Elliott for like two and a half years. Uh, At running back 37, I'm a little bit in, honestly. What does that price mean, though? That's like a couple thirds. That's that's like a third and Josh Palmer. I feel like like you should at least get a two. If you're holding on to Zeke, but I mean, yeah, if you're holding on to him, hoping for, yeah, you don't want to be sinking with this bag, right? Like, yeah, you don't. But I mean, if the price is cheap enough, there's there's always a price. All right. Yeah. Last thing. Ramondre Stevenson, currently a top 15 running back on keep trade cut, buying, selling, holding. What are you doing? Uh, selling for a 2023 first. Okay. <laughs> uh, yes. I'll sell them for a, a 2024 first. I'd say anything less than that. I'm I'm hanging on for for the ride with Ramondre. Yeah, he's a very good player. Um, but Patriots running back, you we all know that the the floor can fall out very quickly. Uh, in that offense. True. All right, Mike, check. It is halftime. Nas, why did you do it? You know you got the mad fat fluid when you rhyme. It's halftime. Okay, so uh, one of the downfalls of not recording last week is we were not properly able to victory lap our first parlay win <sighs> of the season. Um, so that's cool. Um, and then this past week we went two and two. That brings us up, Mitch, to twenty-two and fourteen on the season. Which is a very good record. Yeah. Um, 22 and 14. This is our fourth parlay hit in 27 weeks, essentially over the last two years. Um, And that's really good. Essentially, every time you do a four team parlay, you know, for the listeners who aren't familiar with this, every time you do a four team parlay, you pretty much 10x your money. So we've 10x our money four times over 27 weeks. Do the math. That's. Uh, very good profit margin. So we're doing well. We're not financial advisors, but hashtag TLG financial. <laughs> Let's get into our week 10 parlay. Mitch, why don't you give us your line and John's line? Let's do it. I got the Cowboys minus five in Green Bay, but mostly because the Packers are just a goddamn disaster. Like they couldn't handle the Lions. <laughs> they lost all their wide receivers that they didn't have in the first place. And Rodgers just looks sick and tired of this shit. So I think Parsons and Diggs are going to wreck havoc on defense. Uh, I don't really care what the Cowboys offense does. This is about the Cowboys taking it to him on defense. Somewhere Des Bryant is still mad that he caught the ball. Cowboys <laughs> are getting this one by like, I don't know, 13. 
All right. And John has the Bears. Oh, keeping it in the division here. John has the Bears minus two and a half at home versus the Lions. I'm into it. Ride that Fields wave. Yeah, I like it. I mean, Justin Fields is on fire. We're going to talk about him in the second half. Mitch, Cowboys minus five in Lambeau gives me the stress farts. Um, <laughs> hey, I'm hot though, brother. I'm, you I'm... are very hot. I think you've I think you've hit on six in a row or something like that. So shout out to Mitch killing these halftime picks. I mean, I think this is like a very easily like a classic trap narrative for the Cowboys. Like they're clearly the better team. Oh, they totally. Just go into Lambeau and get killed. But I love it, man. I did not have the confidence to pull that trigger, so I'm glad you did. All right, I'll take us through my pick as well as Mr. Trey Cryan's pick. First, my pick, Seattle, plus two and a half against Tampa Bay. Not at home, not away. That's in Munich, Germany. So even field, Mm. even playing field. We're about to talk about what Geno Smith has been doing in the second half of this show. But like I said earlier, that's a professional football team. It is a good outfit. And the Bucs, they look broken right now. And I I think basically this should be an even line on an even field in Munich. I think maybe even Seattle should be like minus one or minus one and a half. Like I think the books are kind of disrespecting the Seahawks right now. So in my opinion, this is kind of like free points. Seattle plus two and a half. The other one, Trey, he's got Giants. Minus six and a half versus the Texans coming off the bye. So the Texans just got dismantled by an NFC East team in the Eagles. So Trey is saying that in MetLife, the Giants are going to do the same thing. I like them both. Yeah, uh, Tarek, I, I was going to pick Seattle, actually, but I didn't oh, want to yeah. ride my, my cash cow two weeks in a row. So I appreciate you taking the McSeahawks. And the Giants six and a half at the Texans. Yeah, Texans are bad. The Texans are bad. Yeah, they're that, really bad. That that's that's the deal breaker. Yeah, go Giants. I I like it. Yeah, I I will say you said cash cow. I think our biggest cash cow this year in terms of just like hitting spreads has been Minnesota. Full mm-hmm. disclosure, the my Titans first too. pick. Yeah, the Titans too. But my first pick was going to be. Minnesota plus seven and a half against the Bills in uh, Buffalo. But that line then moved to six and a half. I wasn't able to tease it back up efficiently. So I, I don't know what's going on with Josh Allen's elbow, but I wanted the full touchdown in that line. So since I couldn't get it, I pivoted to Seattle. Just wanted to kind of give the listeners some context. Speaking there. of them, we should definitely tell them the parlay again because we we talked about a lot of games. So the parlay is me, Seattle, plus two and a half against the Buccaneers in Munich, Germany. Trey's got the Giants minus six and a half at home against the Texans. Mitch goes with the Dallas Cowboys minus five in Lambeau against the Packers. John riding Justin Fields hot wave with the Bears minus two and a half in Chicago versus the Detroit Lions. And on that note, let's kick off the second half. We're going to be talking about the state of the dynasty quarterback landscape. And we've mentioned his name a few times this episode. That's Justin Fields. He has absolutely emerged over the last four or five weeks. So I kind of just want to ask what we're seeing behind these fantasy numbers because Mitch, the fantasy points in the last five weeks. 17 points, 19.4 points, 24.4 points, 26 points, and then a 40-plus point explosion this past week against Miami. Mitch, what's going on with Justin Fields, man? This is your reputation player. Oh, it feels it feels good to see this chart here, and the direction that, that, that it's going on the chart is just keeps going up. Every week. Fucking parabola, dude. Just exponential growth. Mm -hmm. Uh, And look, man, I I love to see it. I really do. Uh, I love to see him doing it out there with his legs, too. Uh, I, I, I... 146 yards and a touchdown this last he, week. Dude. He literally set the record, right? The NFL record for most rushing yards in a game by a quarterback. Did he? I did not know he that. He did. It's his. He passed Michael Vick. Jesus Christ. It's it's right. pretty good, right? And so this is 
this is the the breakout that we were waiting for, that we were hoping for as Justin Fields truthers. And now it comes time to go, all right, do do we do we say that we have our quarterback or are we selling high here? And uh, for me, I think I'm a hold unless something crazy comes my way. I have been in conversations with somebody about three first round picks. And if they were in 2023, I would have smashed that already, I believe, but they're not. So it's giving me pause. But man, I, I think it's just wheels up for fields right now. I, I, I want to see what I, I want to see how the next like three or four weeks go. Yeah. I mean, you know, probably a month ago on the show, we said essentially that you had to sell Justin Fields for a 2023 first. Like, so me, you and Trey, we all said, yeah, you pretty much have to sell Justin Fields for a 2023 first. So I want to pull that receipt and feel bad about it because that was not a good call, you know? Um, But, you know, if you held him through that horrible advice, like now you're sitting on an asset that's worth three firsts, you know, I would say I would think about selling him definitely for three 2023 firsts, probably two 2023 firsts and a 2024 first. Like that's I'd probably still sell for that price. But I mean, let's give him like the credit he's due, like. On that same show a month ago, I also said, I feel like Justin Fields is starting to get it. Like he's seeing the field well. Like obviously he's like a 4'4, 250 pound fucking tank that just runs. The the speed at which he runs doesn't make sense. So like he's got all the tools. Like I feel like he's got the NFL arm and he's got the NFL mind. He just needed to put it together and I wasn't quite sure he would be able to. I mean, he's starting to, right? We're, we haven't seen, like, the 300-yard passing game yet, but... Well, you know, it just really seemed like they weren't setting him up to succeed. And that yeah. was the problem. It was like, fuck, he's just... He's so talented, but he's going to just get crushed on that roster. And at least... At least they did something. I mean, Claypool isn't, like, a bona fide stud, but... Well, here's what they did. Here's what they did. They they bought Claypool, yes, which is fine. You know, I, they essentially sold Roquan Smith for Chase Claypool. That's what they did. They invested in their offense over their defense. But I think what they did more, and like Luke Getze was actually very transparent about this. He was like, we're building the offense around fields now. Like, and this was only a couple weeks ago that he started talking about the Baltimore offense. He started talking like very transparently about like the Philadelphia offense and how they want to build an offense like that for Justin Fields. And they, they did it. They finally did it. And I think that's the difference. Yeah. Oh, I, I didn't know that. And that is just exciting news that that's like, you know, we did talk about a long time ago. uh, We talked about Hertz and wondering if he was ever going to step into that, uh, ever get it, ever step into that role. Uh, and he he absolutely has. And, you know, this is Fields' team. There's no question whether they're going to replace his ass. Like, this is his team. Yeah, and Jalen Hurts, the reason he is a Tier 1 quarterback now is because of the way he's throwing it. Like, he's he we've seen the big passing production, right? So... Justin Fields, he's still like tier two to me and still like kind of like borderline tier two until we see like a few games of Jalen Hurts level. Like, okay, I'm going to rip it downfield and I'm going to do it accurately. Right. And that might Um, not come till next year. I mean, it might not. Yeah, mm -hmm. it might not. That's that's fair enough. Let me ask you this. Tua Tungavailoa or Justin Fields, who would you rather have in a dynasty league? It's Fields. Okay. And it's because he can put up the points without Tyreek and without Waddle. He did all that shit by himself. Yeah. He did he does it with his legs. So yeah, I I did think about this the longer than I acted. I, I talked a lot of trash about Tua Tungavailoa in the offseason, but I also said I'm willing to be proven wrong. Like I want to be optimistic. And I mean, he looks great. Like I think Mike McDaniel is building an offense for Tua there like I don't think Tua is like a superstar but clearly able to put up elite fantasy production 
All right, let's move on to this next quarterback we want to talk about, and that's Geno Smith. Uh, we mentioned him a few times in the Seahawks. He's leading the league in completion percentage. And that's not just like dink and dunk shit. He's top 10 in air yards, and he's top 10 in deep ball attempts among quarterbacks. I mean, I haven't really been able to figure out Geno Smith's price, like in terms of my own valuations. So let's just talk about the market and see how we feel. Like Keep Trade Cut says Geno Smith is worth a mid-2023 second, maybe like Darnell Mooney for Geno Smith straight up. And he is ahead of Russell Wilson right now. So let's start there. Are you trading Russell Wilson for Geno Smith? Okay. I I don't know. And that is that is a very <laughs> tough question. Now, let me backtrack. I, I don't think it's tough, personally. But Well, it could be. Now, let's walk this back just a second, though. Uh, I've definitely tried to offer a mid-2023 second in several several leagues and that's been a absolute no-go this is super flex by Uh, the way yeah yeah, uh, absolutely but you know it's difficult because uh, sure he's doing great and he's he's legitimately doing well and i guess i'm just if i'm trying to push my chips in this year i think that he is an awesome quarterback to to quarterback like yeah you'd you'd be pushing your chips in to be starting him right if you have an elite quarterback one but in any other situation i feel like you have to take russ because like i'm actively rooting for gino i really am but i don't think the odds are in his favor to be a starting quarterback two years from now i i think this is the the story the backup quarterback plays well gets the starting gig and, and like maybe there's like a Tannehill situation where he gets that second contract on on his second team but like I don't think the odds are in his favor. So yeah. I, I think you ride the wave this year if you're pushing, but I, I don't know. How do you feel, man? I mean, I I struggle. I mean, I feel like we've seen it for like eight or nine weeks now. Like he's playing very well. Like it's it's I it's not like a couple of games and he's like managing the game. Like he's making good throws. He's like throwing the ball downfield. But because it's Geno Smith, it's still so hard for me to believe it. Like, I'm very stubborn about it. I mean, but I just think I and I'm similarly stubborn about I don't think Russell Wilson is washed. I'm not ready to give up on him. So in any league that I have Geno Smith, I'm offering him up for Russell Wilson. And I'm I'm facing the consequences of what that could potentially be. But, um, you know, credit to him. I, I think if you if you can pay a 2023 second for him, I think that's completely fine. Um, I think you should do it. Um, but yeah, it's it's the Russell Wilson price that I start to get a little bit uncomfortable. Yeah, I I do think that he could be a, a starting quarterback for the Seahawks next year, but he just seems just replaceable, right? I, I feel like, it, say, Geno starts being bad Geno again. Like, it, they'll have his fucking head. They'll be like, get booing his ass off the field wanting him replaced and if the Seahawks have anybody that might be able to do it like would a contract like would would that change it for you if he signed like a three-year deal or something like that in Seattle if it was a Ryan Tannehill level contract yeah well if it was like a Teddy Bridgewater contract where it's like two years for 30 million or something then I would still be uncomfortable with it and maybe that's narrative you know but if it was like Ryan Tannehill 90 million dollars guaranteed type shit then okay well well, fuck yeah wheels up but yeah yeah, i i I agree with you i i think that money is gonna have to be the deciding factor on whether i'm in or out on geno smith because right now he's playing on a a backup quarterback like prove it deal right right that's a tough one man (laughs) it's geno smith a fucking enigma uh the the enigma of the 2022 season in my opinion all right uh you know we're moving on talking about more quarterbacks here justin herbert i i think he has seen a bit of downward pressure on his value since the beginning of the season you know he's dealt with that rib injury himself keenan allen has functionally been out of the lineup all season mike williams been out the last couple of weeks I mean, he was firmly in the top tier all offseason, like pretty much exchangeable with Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes, right? 
I think he's a little bit outside looking in now, more of like a tier two quarterback looking in at Jalen Hurts and, and Josh Allen, et cetera. Smells like opportunity, Mitch. Do you think Justin Herbert is a buy? Oh, yeah, dude. If if I can get me some Justin Herbert, uh, the dude has been dude has been without his wide receivers all year. He himself has been banged up. He hasn't been running as much, but his stats are like certainly down from last year, but we're talking about Mr. Volume here. Number 1 in team pass plays per game, number 3 in yards without those wide receivers. Like if you can upgrade from Fields or Tua, yeah, like we just talked exactly about, exactly what I was gonna say, man. Trevor Lawrence and some some first round pick action. Like, if you can, yeah, if you can sell those dudes for Herbert, do it. Um, it is interesting thinking about where he is just in a personal ranking situation here, because yeah, I think you'd have to say Jalen Hurts has made a case for above Justin Herbert, but I. I I don't know if Burrow has entered this conversation too. He's on and keep trade cut him and Joe Burrow are basically the same value at like quarterback five. I mean, in my personal ranks, I still have Justin Herbert above Jalen hurts, but it's like the same tier. Like Jalen hurts is a tier right. one quarterback now, but I think just because of, I don't know, like I call it maybe long-term insulation, call it like maybe a little bit of injury insulation versus Jalen hurts. I think Justin Herbert's just that dude, man. Like he, I think, he's a beast. Yeah. The arm talent is next level. Like, I mean, Jalen Hurts has been playing out of his mind. He's made very big strides as a passer. When I say nowhere close to Justin Herbert, it's it's not close. Like yeah. just Justin Herbert as a passer, I don't think Hurts will ever get there. Like he I think Herbert is as good of a thrower as Mahomes and Allen. Like that's but he's also got the value insulation of the first round pick. He's also got, you know, the age. He's probably a little bit less injury prone than Hertz or Jackson. So he's he's just tier one. He's my quarterback three still. And I think you should be buying him for Fields in a piece, Lawrence in a first, Tua in a piece, et cetera. I completely agree. The idea of picking him late in the first round in a startup next year. Oh my God. <laughs> oh God. I now you saying that makes me hope that like Keenan Allen continues to be hurt and he kind of continues to be like a low end quarterback just want that one. Value, bro. Dude, it's gonna be fucking feeding frenzy in startup season. Uh if if that's the it's case. It's gonna be on all of our startup teams and should be yours too. For sure. All right. Um a couple more quarterback topics before we close out the show. I'm going to group these three players together, and maybe it should really just be two in Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady, but I'm going to throw Matt Stafford in there as well. Are it's all fair. of them washed, man? Like, they all look n- not great. Like, Go get Tom, the hose, of, bro. Of, of the three, I will say the oldest one, Tom Brady, still looks like he can drive the bus the best of all of them. It's the plastic surgery, man. Come on. <laughs> That's uh, what it is. Yeah, it's the Botox. <laughs> yeah. Uh, look, I, I feel like there has to be an opportunity here somewhere. Like, if, if Brady, if you have Brady and you have Rodgers and you're not doing shit this year, your team's falling off a cliff. Like, there's, I feel like you, you have to take what you can and you got to do it soon. Yeah, but can I don't think you can even get a second for them right now. Like, can you get a 2023 second for any of these quarterbacks, Rodgers, Brady, or Stafford? I just feel like there's an opportunity. I feel like you have to try because, yeah. I mean, look, Aaron Rodgers one year ago was the MVP. Aaron Rodgers has no fucking help at all. We know that. Yeah. None. Yeah, so bad. And he's probably going to throw up the deuces after this year, right? But what if he doesn't, and what if they get him some help? Then your stupid second-round pick will prevail, right? I I feel like there's an opportunity. Now, am I going to be doing this? Nah, man. Like, I feel like you're just throwing your money into the fireplace. But Stafford, Stafford's probably the more interesting conversation because unlike Brady and Rodgers, he 
presumably has a couple more years going. Yeah, he's not like ready to retire. So well, his arm, that. his arm might be something with that elbow or something like that. But yeah. I, he looks fine, I guess. But like we're talking about a low tier quarterback too. Yeah, like that's aging. Like what? What do you think that you could even get? Maybe that's where the opportunity. Maybe you should be buying. <laughs> Should Matt be, Stafford? Should we be buying Matt Stafford right now? No. 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 I think if like look, like think about it like this. If you're a contender, you're really you're not going to go out and buy any of these players. Right? Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, Matt Stafford. Like you can't trust them to be your quarterback too, right? Like maybe you can buy them knowing that they're going to be your quarterback three break glass in case of emergency. You're just shoring up your team. Okay. Maybe, but I would rather go target a guy like Kirk cousins. Like I'd pay a little bit more for Kirk cousins, right? You don't think that Kirk would be expensive. I think Kirk is worth somewhere between a 2023 first and two 2023 seconds. Like He's less expensive than a 2023 first. He's more expensive than two 2023 seconds. So wherever you can negotiate that price in between those two things, I would rather pay up for that than pay a single second for Rodgers or Brady or Stafford if I'm a contender because I'm trying to shore up my championship chances if I'm a contender. And I I just can't do that with the washed dudes, the the hosed dudes. Yeah, there's. I, I'm with you there. I I have another one for you though. I think Marcus Mariota might be the guy that you really want because yeah. if you're if you're bargain shopping for dented cans, man, Mariota is a dented old can of beans that might actually hold down the job for the rest of the year because the Falcons don't want to ever admit that they're not that great. So. <laughs> yeah. They're going to keep fighting tooth and nail to the end. And look, man. And that NFC South is wide open, man. Right. And seriously, this is this is real. I like that. Marcus Mariota has been a top 10 quarterback three different weeks this year. And uh, the Marcus Mariota manager may or may not be contending. And they know the writings on the wall. They know Desmond Ritter's on that team as well. So, you know, this is where the negotiation might actually work out for you. They might be willing to sell and you might be needing to buy. Okay. So in terms of like an inexpensive quarterback too, you might be targeting as a contender. That's Marcus Mariota for you. He's like the number one option. Yeah, man. Like I said, if I'm bargain shopping and I I feel like you could get it done for a two. Oh, you, right? I like, feel like no if, problemo. You, if you are not contending... And you have Marcus Mariota and you on your team. You saw that two roll in. You'd Dude, smash your that, goddamn yeah, phone. You, you have to. So I think that's like, I think it's a fine price to pay for a contender, a second round pick. And if you're not a contender, you fucking have to sell Mariota for a second. Like mm-hmm. it's imperative. Go do it right now. I mean, I think my guy would be probably Daniel Jones. Um, I, I think yeah. I've talked about Kirk Cousins and Daniel Jones. These are both guys that are going to be more expensive as a quarterback too, then like Mariota or Jared Goff or, you know, Matt Stafford. But I, I think I would pay the price because I'm I'm confident in their production for the rest of the year. Yeah. And Daniel Jones definitely has a better chance next year of being a starting quarterback, I think. Now, I mean, I, I guess not contractually, but I think yeah. he's done well with this team and will perhaps keep being the quarterback there as where uh, they're definitely going to try and see what they have in Ritter, I I think, anyway, next year. Yeah, the Falcons. I mean, yeah, like you said a few weeks ago when we were talking about Daniel Jones, it's like they're playing their way out of any elite 2023 quarterback option, right? Mm -hmm. So, and Brian Dayball, you know, he's, he's found a way to make it work with Jones. So I think it's, it's probably a, a greater than 50% chance that Daniel Jones is the quarterback of the Giants in 2023. So you said you'd pay the price, and I, I'm with you. I want me some Daniel Jones shares as well, but what price are you willing to pay? What are you willing to throw down on the table, and what would you suggest the listeners pay? So uh, Daniel Jones looks like he's worth about like a second, and he's worth two seconds on Keep Trade Cut, essentially. Um 
I would I would pay two seconds for Daniel Jones, especially if I'm a contender. Like I think you you plug him into your QB two slot, you feel really good. Would you throw a first if you got Daniel Jones and a two? Yes, I would do that. I would do that if it's a projected mid to late first. If it's projected like top five, then no. Sure, but that might be something for Daniel Jones managers to think about if they aren't as confident as you are, say, in Daniel Jones, and there's a path to get a first-round pick, I think it's worth thinking about as well on the other side of that. Oh, for sure, yeah. I mean, I think a lot of the trades, a lot of the players that we talked about today, they're good buy-sell candidates in in the sense that they're, they work out well if you're a contender wanting to buy from a rebuilder and vice versa. Like, these, this is the moment, right? We're getting into the second half of the regular season, gearing up for the playoffs. This is the moment where you should have already done the self-evaluation. You should already know, are you a contender, pretender, or rebuilder? And now you got to make these moves, right? So, you know, go buy Daniel Jones, go buy Marcus Mariota, go sell um, Kenneth Walker if you can get three first for him, right? Like you need to make these decisions now, um, because this is one of those inflection points uh, in the year where you can gain a lot of value if you're a rebuilder and you can gain a lot of points if you're a contender. Amen, bro. Amen, indeed. And with that, the crystal raindrops hath fallen, and uh, we're going to close out this episode of The Long Game. We will talk to y'all next week. Damn it, Bobby. God. Damn it. Just fine. No, I